Hi, everyone. Welcome, Welcome to, to the Revolution, Revolution Gals podcast. I'm Gabby. And I'm Serena. And in this podcast, we typically talk about topics within the American Revolution. Today's topic is quite revolutionary. It's about the causes of the American Revolution. Before we talk about that, we want to give a big shout out to our sponsor of today's episode, which is Expedia, an online company that is perfect in assisting you in finding good rates for plane tickets plus hotels and rentals. Just like Expedia helps you in traveling, let's travel right into this topic about the causes of the revolution. To start off with what the American Revolution is, for any of our viewers who are uninformed, it was an historical event in which the 13 colonies fought for their independence from Great Britain to later form the United States of America. What could have caused such chaos to go down in a 13-year time span that led to the revolution, impacting the U.S. as a country and its development today? Well, the first cause of this event would be the Proclamation of 1763. Again, as briefly mentioned before, we will cover all topics and give our personal opinions on the events that led to the American Revolution. The first event that occurred was the Proclamation of 1763. What happened before this event? The French and Indian War was basically um, leading to the establishment of the Proclamation because the French and Indians were fighting against the, and I quote, British, which were actually just eager colonists. They were looking to be appreciated from their mother country because they already made money for them and they wanted to be able to move westward where the French were living to take their land and actually have a slight amount of freedom in a way. By the way, a little side note and brief explanation as to why the, this war bursted out between the French and Indians versus the British and its colonists was due to multiple factors. One being that both these both of these populations were growing very largely and they were already rivals and conflicts were arising from the border of the Ohio River Valley where both the French and natives were, which is why they were able to ally against the British. Now let's talk about real business, as in the first cause of the revolution. What is it, Sabrina? Like mentioned before, the proclamation of 1763. Don't fall asleep, listeners. You're in for a ride. So after the French and Indian War occurred... Good news, y'all. The British won. Was this really good news? I mean, in a way, weren't the colonists happy because of the additional land? Nope. Those dreams are soon crushed once Parliament established the Proclamation of 1763, which forbade colonists from exceeding the Ohio River Valley. Oh, right. That's the border where the French were making allies with the Indians. Yep. Also, by doing this, it would decrease the amount of contact between colonists and natives, who were often getting into conflicts, leading to wars, ultimately causing the British money. Plus, since they were good allies of the French, the, opponent, the opponents they just got out of war from and the nation they kicked out would be a huge threat if any, con if any conflicts rose, arose with the Indians. Also, this is the first real act-slash-law passed that tightens Britain's control over the colonists. The colonists feel angry and they want to resist and say no for the first time. Mind you, they were already so under underestimated, overworked, and helpless when supplying imports for their mother country, Britain. Overall, during this event, the colonists felt like their prize, which in this case was land, had been taken away from them, although it was not necessarily necessarily theirs to begin with. Now we will reel in our opinions about this topic. I personally think that the colonists were a bit too eager and expected way too much from being able to serve during this war. How I about agree. You? The colonists shouldn't have been too greedy over land, which caused them to get into conflict with the natives. And the proclamation was a starting point and kickoff point where the British became more strict and frustrated with the colonies. And perhaps if the colonies weren't that greedy in a way, 
none of the following acts would have been passed, which we will talk about right now. So let's talk about the change of government. Salutary neglect to parliamentary sovereignty. The British also changed their government method over the colonies from salutary neglect to parliamentary sovereignty. It gave Parliament, which was Great Britain's government, all control over colonial taxes and laws. The colonists feel their rights were being violated, and it takes power away from the colonial assemblies. It's a big reason that the road of the revolution begins, because the Parliament passed laws and raised taxes and took away their rights. This angered the colonists because they were passing laws without their permission. Next was the Quartering Act of 1765. Next was the, the Quartering, Quartering Act, Act of 1765, which forced colonists to take care, feed, and house British soldiers who were left in the colonies after the war to protect them. This was like really unfair because now they have to house the soldiers and they feel like they're at threat because honestly, any general person who has a soldier or even a cop around them feels that they're hostile. So, argumentally, they're like pretty much there's like two points where a colonist will either feel protected or they will feel at threat yeah it's like kind of like they're prisoners Mm -hmm. and the colonists became angry because they were responsible for the soldiers which included paying taxes housing them and feeding feeding them like oh oh. (laughs) (laughs) like what gabby said this act was hurtful because although some colonists felt protected others felt at threat exactly literally at the end of the day, it showed that nothing is free with the Brit- with the British because it's kind of a trap because the colonists now have to serve the people that they're basically paying forcefully to have them there. And I just can't get over how crazy the control the British have over the colonists. You can see that it's starting to get out of hand. So the third event was the Stamp, Stamp Act, Act of 1765. During this event, the British still needed to find a way to pay off their old war debt. So what did they do, Gabby? You won't believe it. They had the audacity to raise taxes on any printed materials like newspapers, pamphlets, marriage license, and even simple playing cards. Can you imagine being taxed a lot of money to just play Uno? (laughs) The importance of this act was that it was the first direct tax act, and the colonists lost lots of money because they were being taxed on everything, just like what Gabby said, even playing cards. This, the result of this was that it caused the colonists to boycott goods and protest no taxation without representation. Colonists thought that it was unfair to pay taxes for Britain's war debt because they believed that the French and Indian War, which is also called the Seven Years' War, was a European war and not, did not involve them. Honestly, if I were Britain, I would have held back on the taxes because the colonists are already fed up with them putting the proclamation of 1763. So by putting the Stamp Act and Quartering Act, they would get even more tired. And you could just, you could literally sense that the rebellion's gonna come. Yeah, they should have been expecting it to come. After the horrifying Stamp Act was the Townshend Townshend Act of of 1767 which taxed certain colonial imports such as glass, lead, paper, and tea that were collected at seaports. Also, this was the first indirect tax, which meant that the colonists weren't even aware of this tax being put onto their supplies, such as glass, lead, paper, and tea, and it led to more conflicts. Mm -hmm. It enraged the colonists because the British were trying to tax them without them noticing, and eventually they did, of course. And after they did, what happened, Sabrina? 
the Committee of Correspondence is formed. It was a system of communication throughout the colonies between patriot leaders to unite the colonies against the British Parliament. It proves the unity between the colonists and their desire to become free of Britain. Benjamin Franklin and John Adams were also members of this committee. Finally, once the Committee of Correspondence was developed, we can see that they're showing signs of unity and they're actually working as a community together to fight against the, um, the British. Then, in 1770 came the Boston, Boston Massacre. Massacre. It occurred when colonists began taunting the soldiers, causing them to open fire and kill five colonists. The result was that the British then demanded British, the British remove the soldiers and send them to trial, which they did. To analyze this event, we could see that the colonists and the British were willing to use violence against each other. Christopher Attucks, Christopher Attucks an African-American colonist, was killed and used as a martyr. This meant that the colonists believed he died for a purpose, and it unites them. By having him labeled as a martyr, people were like, oh my gosh, some guy died for this event. That means something. We should join in out of respect. Also, not to mention, he was a just freed slave and an African-American in a colonial settlement. It's pretty obvious that both sides now hate each other and they're willing to use violence towards each other, not even trying to fix the situation anymore. They're just willing to fight and like use violence. Then in 1773 came the Boston Tea Party. It was a political protest that happened when colonists dressed as Native Americans dumped tea into the Boston Harbor to show their defiance to the Tea Act. Again, they dressed as Native Americans, like as a way to be in disguise in a way so like then again obviously it was the colonists who were doing it but from like far away they wouldn't be blamed for it and then what was developed the sons and daughters of liberty were formed to protest against british restrictions and became the leaders of colonial resistance this shows the growth strength and unity of this rebellious cause and then you can't get over how much money was thrown away during this event. About one to two million dollars worth of tea, which was like 340 chests of it, was thrown away. So because of this, King George, who was the king of Britain, got super angry. He was so furious and there was really no turning back point after this. The colonists already grew even more united from this. I think that this was a very strong protest because the British obviously care a lot about their money and trade. Oh, yeah. And the colonists knew that dumping one to two million dollars worth of tea away would hurt Britain the most. This mm-hmm. is, like what Gabby said earlier, this is the no turning back point. And literally after that, the relationship between the British and the, the colonists would never be restored. Mm-hmm. Then, in 1774, came was the Intolerable, intolerable Acts. This was created as a punishment for the colonists, specifically the Boston Tea Party, which included raised taxes and a loss of colonial rights. They closed the Boston Harbor. Then the result of this was that the colonists reacted by preparing for possible battle with the British. So they already knew something was going to happen. And the colonists drafted the Declaration of Colonial Rights to King George. And by the way, since we already spoke about how angry King George was, he didn't read it. He couldn't care less about it. He just saw that they wrote something. He's like, oh, at this point, they already did too much to to me and my country. I don't care what they have to say. Mm -hmm. 
And by passing the Intolerable Acts, Britain is, is kind of like taunting the colonists and proving that they are the mother country, meaning that they are the ones creating the rules, who have the power, and who can punish the colonists. Britain is so angry at how disobedient her kids are that the King George doesn't even read the Declaration of Colonial Rights. This really proves how toxic the relationship is, yep. and this is kind of like the last straw. Mm -hmm. It's literally the eve of revolution. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. By 1775, Lexington and Concord occurred. The colonists brutally killed 273 British men, and the colonists lost less than 100. British troops were hoping to capture the leaders of the of the rebels, John Hancock and Samuel Adams. Additionally, they wanted to take away gunpowder from the colonists, showing that they already foreshadowed violence coming. Then the result of this was the American Revolution officially beginning. Mm -hmm. It seems like violence and war is inevitable, inevitable at this moment since the British foreshadow it coming already and tries to prevent it. Even if it didn't happen now, I personally think that the American Revolution would have happened eventually because yeah. the British only cared about money held onto the colonists too tight, and new governmental ideas became more popular, which we will mm -hmm. later get into during the Enlightenment. Yeah. Back to the opinion part, again, even from, like, the beginning, like, before any of this happened, if you have a country working for you to make money and you're not even grateful for it, you're not giving them anything in return, of course they're going to rebel at one point. And at this point, the colonists already underwent a lot, and they started to unite after events like the French and Indian War. Then once the proclamation was put into place, they were like, all right, guys, stuff is getting real. All right. Now we could talk about the new ideas that began that began to make more govern governmental ideas popular. These all came from the, the Enlightenment. Enlightenment. The colonists used Enlightenment philosophies to justify their protests, which promoted reason and democracy. Two major Enlightenment influencers that inspired the revolution revolutionary cause for John Locke and Montesquieu. Locke, Locke believed that everyone <laughs> had the right to life, liberty, and property. He established the social contract, which stated the citizens had the right to overthrow the government if they failed to protect their rights. Jefferson included Locke's ideas and beliefs when drafting the Declaration of Independence. And Montesquieu believed in checks and balances, separation of powers between three branches of government, which actually applies to today, and that soon divides power. Yep, both of them supported democracy, and their ideas inspired the revolution and the birth of America and its government. Their ideas were contributed to the U.S. Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the basis of our government even today. Thomas Paine's common sense convinced many neutral colonists to support independence from Britain based on Enlightenment ideas. In his common sense um, piece, he basically expressed, like, Come on, guys, this is the rational reasoning and thought behind why we need to be against the people who are controlling us. And he's like, oh, why is the mother country treating us so badly? Um, they shouldn't be treating us like this. And then he just gets even deeper into that. Yeah, I think it was, his common sense was very important because it convinced many neutral colonists to join the revolutionary cause based on common sense and logical reasoning. Like, who wouldn't join after mm -hmm. listening to those? Yeah.
As we come to the near end of our wonderful discussion of the topic concerning the causes leading to the American Revolution, we have left our comments open for listeners to ask for their questions about today's episode. We as the Revolution Gals are huge fans of replying to any common questions or concerned, concerns about upcoming top, topics for future episodes. So let's start. User Isaka History asks, how did, the, how did England's changing policy towards its colonies lead to rising calls for independence? So this question we answered, like it's like a whole timeline of events. So to put it shortly, the colonists believed that Britain's treatment and new policies toward them, like all the acts that we talked about, were unfair and strict. The laws and events that led to the American Revolution include the Proclamation of 1763, Quartering Act, Stamp Act, Townshend Act, Boston Massacre, Boston Tea Party, Intolerable Acts, and Lexington and Concord. Basically, Britain begins to tighten their control over the colonists by raising their taxes, forming land boundaries, and taking away their rights. This caused the colonists to boycott goods and protest no taxation without representation. And they showed their defiance in acts such as the Boston Massacre and Boston Tea Party. Also, the Sons and Daughters of Liberty and the Committee of Correspondence are formed as a way to unite the colonists. And as we can see through all these, these events, their relationship continues to grow hostile and violent, which all leads to the American Revolution and the colonists' eventual departure from Britain. User Paul Revere's Poor Horse asks us, how did perceived and real constraints on the colonists' economic activities and political rights spark a colonial independence movement and war with Great Britain? The Stamp Act and Townshend Act, Intolerable Act, and the change from salutary neglect to parliamentary sovereignty were a huge factor with this question. Because the parliament was passing laws without their permission, it was aimed to harm them, such as raising taxes and taking away their rights. It seemed like the British were passing laws to hurt them and taunt them by proving that they are the mother country, that they are in control. We can see through these acts and developments that the growing urge to the colonists feel to free themselves from Britain after they restrain their political and economic rights through passing laws and to hurt them without the colonists' permission. Okay, last question was, the user Tired Colonist asks, what were the arguments for and against colonial independence from Great Britain? The arguments that were for colonial independence from Great Britain included that the colonists would prosper economically when being away from the mother country. They were restricted from this prosperity due to how much their mother country wanted them to make money for them through trade. They felt that if they proved themselves to be strong and helpful towards Great Britain, they would most likely gain independence as if they were an allowance from a chore. The colonies were weak, ununified, and needed direction. The mindset of, the great, of great Britain towards the colonies was, you need us. The colonies would need Great Britain. Since the colonies were owned by such a rich and powerful mother country, this meant that they would have to do the dirty work for them, such as paying taxes and supplying the trade. Well, with the hardcore crash lesson we just covered right now, plus the opinions provided on our personal views of the causes of the revolution, we hope that you as a listener were able to comprehend this topic. Also, be sure to leave any comments or concerns on either our Revolution Gals podcast Twitter, website, or even in the comment section below. And any support for our sponsor, Expedia, will definitely help us cover more topics as we fly through them in the future. Again, this is Gabby. And this is Sabrina. And, and we, we thank you, you so much for tuning, turning into today, <laughs> tuning into today's episode of the, the Revolution, Revolution Gals, Gals podcast. Thank you.